0: Today on episode number 566, we've got a good old-fashioned microphone shootout, and then we're going to be talking with Jonathan Oaks of the Trivial Warfare podcast and how he's using listener feedback to build a better podcast. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so very much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bring my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology, including 12 years of podcasting, and we're going to help you massage your message. We're going to help you tackle that technology. We're going to face your fears and flatten that learning curve and get you on the road to podcasting, not just podcasting, but podcasting done right headache free in a way that's going to positively impact your audience and have you being looked upon as a digital influencer our website is school of if you go to school of start you can use the coupon code listener and save when you sign up on either a single course or a monthly or yearly membership well we haven't done one of these in a while. And that is a good old-fashioned microphone shootout. I got a new one to play with. And uh, we're going to peel back the curtain here right now. For the record, I find these incredibly boring. I really do. But I know that you love them, so we're going to do them because we got to answer the question, hey, is this worth the X amount of money? And so my goal here is to play this very quick microphone shootout. I did throw a curveball in here, just so you know. And at the end of it, the question you need to ask is, did any of these microphones affect you in a way that you said, you know what, if I had to listen to that entire microphone for the whole podcast, I would tune out. That's the question you have to ask. Is the audio quality from any of these microphones going to make you tune out? That's the question that you need to ask. And it goes a little something like this. I'll talk about it on the other side. This is microphone number one. Sign up at the school using the coupon code listener. This is microphone number two. Sign up at the school of podcasting using the coupon code listener. This is microphone number three. Sign up at the school of using the coupon code listener. This is microphone number four. Sign up at the school of using the coupon code listener. This is microphone number five, sign up at the school of podcasting using the coupon code listener. And this is microphone number six, sign up at the school of podcasting using the coupon code listener. Now, how I did that is I had a boom stand sitting right here. I plugged the microphone in and went directly to my Zoom H5 recorder. I unplugged the microphone, plugged in the second one, the third one. The fourth one, I'm sorry, the fifth one, I had to adjust the volume because it had a much greater gain, and I'll explain that in a second. But the rest of them were on about seven. The audio you just listened to was not processed at all. It was simply brought in the way it is. Uh, The audio you're listening to right now is actually going directly into the Hindenburg journalist and I run it through a thing called audio master suite from Sony. It has a a couple little, it has a noise gate. It has a a compressor, a a couple other things, but for the most part, and here's the fun thing I'm using right now, microphone number four, just for the fun of it. And you're like, Hey Dave, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Which one's which? Microphone number one, the Audio-Technica ATR2100. Microphone number two, the uh, Audio-Technica ATR2005. Microphone number three, the Samson Q2U. Microphone number four, the Knox, which is what I'm using right now dynamic usb microphone i think is the official name of it microphone number five a condenser just for fun the audio technica at 3035 back in the day i bought this because a great voiceover guy was using it and you'll notice we'll play the clip here again uh i i know in theory condenser microphones we always say they pick up more background noise And you kind of look at that from a physics standpoint and go, "Why? that definitely picked up more background noise. And then microphone number six, I was surprised it actually sounded as clear as it did, is the good friend Heil PR40. Now, let's look at the pricing of these as I record this on May 21st, 2017. The ATR 2100, microphone number one, goes for $59.28. Microphone number two, the 2005, goes for $79 because it's black and looks cooler. Uh, microphone number three, the Samsung Q2U, goes for $54. That is almost the cheapest one. Plus, it comes with a cheap of meh kind of headphones. And then microphone number four, the Knox Cardoid USB slash XLR microphone. What a fancy name on that bad boy. $39. So we're looking anywhere from 40 to $80, and I'm sorry, I think they all sound pretty much not identical. I think the Q2U had a little more bass. I actually kind of like the Q2U, uh, I think, out of all those in the 2005, but there, we're talking slight differences. I like the fact that the Q2U has the volume on top of the microphone as opposed to the back of the other ones. But my point here is, was there something in any of those that you said, hey... Now, the AT, you know what? I didn't even look it up. The Heil PR-40 goes for 327 and yeah, the Audio-Technica 3035 condenser microphone goes for $180. Here's that clip one more time. This is microphone number one. Sign up at theschoolofpodcasting.com using the coupon code LISTENER. This is microphone number two. Sign up at the School of Podcasting using the coupon code LISTENER. This is microphone number three. Sign up at the school of podcasting.com using the coupon code LISTENER. This is microphone number four. Sign up at the school of podcasting.com using the coupon code LISTENER. This is microphone number five. Sign up at the School of Podcasting using the coupon code LISTENER. And This is microphone number six. Sign up at the School of Podcasting using the coupon code LISTENER. So for $40, it's a pretty good microphone. And if you've got an extra $29 to add to that, there's actually a bundle that is the Knox USB microphone. It comes with a pop screen, sometimes called a pop filter. It's that little kind of mesh thing you stick in front of the microphone. So when you say peanut butter, it doesn't sound horrible. And a desktop boom arm for $69. So for less than a hundred bucks, if you're doing a solo podcast, you buy that, you are good to go. So I, to me, th- th- there none of these are bad. I'll take them all. I wouldn't use the 3035 unless I was in a really quiet room, but in terms of the, the 2100, the 2005, the Q2U or the Knox I think they're all pretty much the same. I think the Knox is a little flatter. I, didn't think it had, I don't think it boosted the highs or the lows. I thought it was pretty flat. Uh, I think out of all these, I would either go with the Q2U or I kind of like the 2005. But again, I think any of these, with a little tweaking, with bass and treble, I think they'll sound pretty much however you want them to sound. Before we get to the fabulous Jonathan Oaks of TrivialWarfare.com, I want to say thank you to you. And you're like, Dave, what I do? You have been supporting me. I appreciate that. Some of you have been going to supporttheshow.com. Again, that is supporttheshow.com. And uh, clicking on the links there, there are affiliate links there. There's Amazon links there. There's Patreon links there. Thank you if you've been doing that. Some of you have been going to podcastingresources.com that have more resources over there. And some of those I get paid to uh, spotlight. Some of you have said, you know what, Dave. Look, at you, you just saved me 40 bucks on a microphone. I was going to buy the, the 2100. You know what? I would like to, to help you with this. I, I want to join the School of Podcasting. You could do that. And by doing that, one I get to do this one more time in my life. And I did one a couple weeks ago. And you're like, Dave, what did you do? I paid off one of my student loans. Hallelujah. One more to go, about seven grand on this one but i'm sl- and it was paid off early a little bit. and so now i'm taking the money that i used to pay on that loan on this one and i'm i'm far from debt free. i've got a car loan and i got a little baby credit card bill to pay. uh but for the most part this is one of those things that just bugs you after a while that you've been out of school for years and you're still paying off your student loan and i couldn't have done that without your support. And i just want to take 2 seconds to say thank you to you who are supporting me and for those of you who are not Tell a friend. That's that's a free way to do that. A couple other things I want to mention here real quick. Of course, if you're going to Podcast Movement in August, it's in California. It's going to be warm and sunny. I'm going to be hanging out at the Lipson booth. We're all going to be having fun, figuring out how to do our show better. PodcastMovement.com use the coupon code SOP ten. We'll get you ten percent off. And if you're banging your head against the wall, going I I can help with that. I had somebody this week, really nice guy, had a blue Yeti microphone trying to get it to work just the right way. And I said, look, I I think I can get you set up for a 15 minute consult. Didn't have to buy an hour. Didn't have to buy. I think we can get this fixed in 15 minutes. And for a second, he thought, oh, no, I just spent money on a consult and I'm not going to get this fixed. But I said, no, no, I'm pretty sure you got the wrong cable. He pulled out his cable. I said, does it have this thing or that thing? He goes, it's got that thing. And I go, that's the wrong cable. And so really what you're paying for when you get a consultation or a coaching session, again, it's that 12 years of me going, you know what? I know what to check. Check this. Is that it? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? How did you know that? Because I've been doing this for 12 years. So if you're interested in that, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash schedule, and you can schedule a coaching session today. Hey, May 26th, that is this Friday, 2017, is the last day you can answer the question for episode number 568, which is coming out next Monday. And that question is Are you podcasting? If you go yes, uh, are you still podcasting or did you pod fade? Which there's nothing wrong with stopping the show. Maybe you had a baby or twins or triplets or whatever. Life happens. If so, why aren't you podcasting? anymore. So uh, and then if you go, no Dave, I, I am still podcasting, well then why are you podcasting? What are you getting out of it? And Jonathan Oaks from TrivialWarfare.com sent in his and I said, dude, I want more on this story. And there are a couple of things I want to point out before we get to the conversation. Number one, Jonathan hasn't been podcasting for two days or two months. He's been podcasting for two years. He's doing some really cool creative things with Patreon. And I'm seeing again a creative use of a Facebook group, but check this out. He's, he's like a walking because of my podcast story. There was uh, a, we'll just call them the, uh, the big shot smarty pants trivia team in North Carolina in a big shot smarty pants trivia tournament. And to make a long story short, they needed another player and they contacted Jonathan and said, Hey, Jonathan, we love your show. They listen to all the time. Would you come be our fourth member for our team? And this was for like some big money. How cool is that? Jonathan actually had a whole bunch of other stuff going on. He's like, look, when your audience calls, you go. He dropped everything and went down. It was really cool. That's a great event. And you'll hear another story in here that he had that was just wild. He's just like, I can't believe I'm in a room with all these people. So it's relationships. And then if you want to, you don't have to, you can start to monetize your audience. And so you'll hear how Jonathan has a Facebook group that helps him better understand his audience. He's open to suggestions that have led to a wider audience. We talked a couple of weeks ago with Joe from stacking Benjamins. What if your audience wants to steer the show in a direction that you don't want to go? That's a problem, but that wasn't the case in this situation because Jonathan has a more diverse uh, set of co-hosts now that are opening up other doors, other opinions that's leading to his show becoming more Papio. It's a really cool show. I've actually been on it many moons ago. He uh, got me at uh, Podcast Movement or New Media Expo, one of those, and uh, I did horrible. It was a great time. And so I just, we're going to jump into the conversation here where I was talking to Jonathan about how he started his podcast.
1: We just sat down and we put it together and we started planning it and we we hashed out all the details. We wanted a catchy name. It took us days to come up with a name. And as we started the show, the very first episode, we thought this was fun. We recorded three episodes that first day and it was, it was a little grueling by the end of the third, but it was fun. And I remember one of our acquaintances, you know what she told me? She said she was trying to listen to it when she was going to sleep, but she kept laughing. And so she couldn't fall asleep and she had to turn it off. I can't tell you what kind of rush that was, Mm. the feeling that something that we had done a week ago, two weeks ago, however long it was, was entertaining enough that a person was getting distracted by it and they couldn't fall asleep. And I thought to myself, you know, it feels like it must be pretty good then. (laughs) You know, when you create something yourself, you typically think, I think I did a good job, right? Yeah. There's a big difference when you put it in front of somebody else. And they prove that you did a good job. Yeah. And so we started making mistakes, right? Uh, Episode six is a prime example. I have a, I have an audience full of listeners and every time somebody brings up, where's episode six, there's no episode six. (laughs) What had happened the second day of recording, Chris and I had gotten frustrated with each other because early on it was just us. And we were asking each other questions and, we felt like the other one was asking us harder questions than we were asking them. And so it's almost like you're trying to make the other person look bad. Right. And so we were cranky and we started fighting. We actually was able, were able to produce the one with the fight and I, I removed a lot of it. But by the third episode that day, it was done. It was like, we were boring. It was not fun. And that led us to bring on a host who was a local pub trivia host in town. And we I put the, the show on a thumb drive for him because he didn't know what podcasts were. <laughs> and so I handed him the thumb drive and I said, just listen to it. If you if you like it at all, if you want to be a part of it, we would love for you to come on and do it with us. You can just bring old sets of questions that you asked at bars two years ago. So you don't have to do any work. Just bring the old questions and that will allow us to have a level playing field. And after a few uh, a few months of that, we started to get more feedback and this is, I mean, this is the first six months, seven months, we right. hadn't got a lot of feedback, but we started to hear more from local people that are our friends and a couple of them really pushed to be a part of it. Uh, our friend Carmela and our friend Ben and Carmela is a, uh, obviously a female, which I couldn't tell you how excited I was that she was interested in being a part of the show because, the thing that a trivia show has a hard time overcoming, and a lot of the geek shows, a lot of the nerdy shows out there have a hard time overcoming the stigma of a bunch of guys just in their basement goofing off, right? Welcome to the sausage party. Yes. Exactly. And so by having an honest-to-God female in the room, <laughs> it, it, it legitimized us in a way that the best knowledge and the best game never could do. Ben is a a really awesome voice, right? And he's a black guy. He started adding questions about uh, songs that some of us hadn't heard of. Some of us had, right? And started asking questions that were more diverse. And Carmela started asking questions that were more diverse. And slowly but surely, the show started to grow in ways that I was never going to predict because we had a more diverse group of people who were a a big part of it and started becoming much more welcoming to anybody else who was listening.
0: Have you had any kind of conversations on like, are you the sole owner of the show? How do you... I don't want to get into your wallet, but like, obviously you have some... We'll talk about this a little later, but you have some community support in the form of dollars coming in that can make things a little sticky. Did you do anything so that you don't have arguments about this later?
1: So you're asking if if I took precautions to prevent myself from being like Striper. Yes. That, <laughs> <laughs> yes I get it. I understand. Uh, so, yes, it was probably, I feel like it was November of the first year. So that would have been six or seven months in. We had just started getting a little bit better engagement from people. And I mean, just, Uh, I had been to a few conferences, we had started to build a better show and I could kind of see a future where there was a possibility of money coming in. And I knew that in the long run, I was hoping that we could get to a point where money would start coming in because at that point I had spent a few thousand dollars easy and probably three, four, five ish at that point. And so Chris was the only real partner in that endeavor who was there at the beginning. So he's the only one who ever thought anything that I ever thought about. And so around that time in November, I I stopped him at the end of a game uh, to talk about it. And I said, hey, listen, we should talk about money. And you know what I think happened? I think somebody had actually sent in $35 or something. Um, But so it spurred us to have a conversation. And I told him, so I love you. And if we need to figure this out, we'll figure it out. But the way I feel about it is I've been spending all the money I've been doing all the work and this is these statements are true they were unequivocal. Right. If this turns into a business and I'd like it to turn into a business and I'm going to work towards that, I don't ever want to have arguments about this. We need to decide it now. Are you okay with this being my business? Is this are we are we solid here? And Chris, who's been my best friend for years and years, he flat out said, "I see what you're doing." And I see what I, th- I, I believe in what I think you're going to do with this. I don't want that kind of pressure and I don't want that kind of anxiety. I don't want to be the person responsible for building this. It was a very clear conversation. We both left uh, feeling good about it. And from that point on, it it's definitely been my baby. Uh, now, interestingly, well, let's call it a year later, a year after that, November of 2016 towards Christmas, Carmela and Ben and Chris have all been writing their own questions now for months. I couldn't do the show without them. And I started to think to myself, I need to do something about this because I'm starting to have money coming in and the money coming in is helping me to recoup money I'd spent a long time ago, but it's not going to take long before it starts becoming profit. And these guys are working really hard and I can't just have this on their backs without um, compensating them in some way, shape, or form. And so I introduced it as a Patreon reward at X amount of dollars per month. Our hosts would start getting paid $25 per show hosted. And then I also made it a Patreon reward saying, okay, the next goal up, and I think that was $1,000 a month or something like that, the hosts will start getting paid $50 a month per show hosted. Uh, And that made me feel much better about what we were doing and also gave me a way to show our guys that I really appreciated that they were a part of this and that to make sure they understand they are a part of this. And it's not just me reaping rewards while they're doing work.
0: So you're using Patreon. I I know some people, they want to use Patreon. They get it. They see it. But they can't get over the hump of, well... I don't know. I I don't know if I'd feel comfortable begging for money. How did you get over that hump?
1: I acknowledged it and set it up front. If you were to see the first Patreon video I did, I was very upfront with people. I said, guys, this is really weird for me. I'm almost, in fact, it's not almost, I am uncomfortable with what I'm about to do, but I've had people who are asking for ways to send us money to support the show, and I know that I've spent plenty of money on the show, and so it feels right that if you want to help us out in this way, if if you feel like we've been giving you something and you want to give back, then I want to give you a channel to do it. So this is that channel. And that's how I introduced it. It sounds awkward, but it's also authentic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people responded to it. It was slow. And Patreon, you know, Patreon's kind of weird. You never know who's going to respond, who's not. Uh, and so it started slow and has grown and has grown and it continues to grow. The rewards are are really the key in terms of how to how to really grow it. You have to figure out that thing that people actually want from you and offer it to them. Uh, and so we've done a good job with that. But I've never once Told people anything that was untrue about the money. So at first, I was telling them, Hey, we're looking for this goal. We're trying to get to, and at that point, it was $500 a month. I want to get to $500 a month, and that is going to cover the costs that I'm spending on a regular basis and start helping me to backfill money that I spent a while back. And we got there, and it was amazing, right? And I started paying people. And then We, so the next goal was $1,000 a month. I made it clear once again, it's like, okay guys. So since the show has started and evolved, I'm spending more money than I used to. I have somebody, actually I'm working with uh, Jessica Kupferman and as uh, as an agent to try and secure advertising. I'm doing other things uh, with an editor, uh, Joel Sharpton to help me edit the shows uh, up front and spending money in that direction. So the more money I started making, the more money I started spending. And so I told them about that. And once again, I, I told them the truth. I said, if you want to help us out, if you feel like we've done something for you with this show and you want to help support it and keep it growing, then this is the way to do it. And we got to about $800. And I'd always had a goal. i had always had a, a piece in that $1,000 goal, $1,000 a month that I don't think anybody had really paid too much attention to. But at around $800, I called it out for them. And I said, I don't know if you all remember this, but in this tier and above, it was a $10 a month tier and above, at the $1,000 level, I'm going to do a giveaway once a quarter. And that giveaway is going to be for uh, whatever thing it is you want me to buy for you at a value of $400 or less. So I gave it a big number, right? I felt when I set that up a long time ago, I thought to myself, if I'm making $1,000 a month, I can afford to give somebody $400 a quarter. Right. And I think that'll be worth it. And I think that that's going to be something that's a pretty good promotional tool. So we got to the point where it was $800 and I made sure everybody was aware of that and promoted it on the show. And Boy, <laughs> they responded to that one because we went from 800 to over a thousand In the span of a month and a half, maybe. It was an awesome experience to give the thing away for the first winter, and I can't wait to do it again. And I've already established moving forward that with our next goals, I'm going to keep giving back at a at a higher level. But it's clear that I've made the money back on that investment of doing that giveaway before we ever did the giveaway. As we started to get engagement with people the same question came up every time. How can I be on the show? Mm. We're a game show, right? It's a fun thing. And the people who are listening love trivia. They love it just as much as I do. Some of them love it more. And some of them are really good and they listen and they listen and they think to themselves, I can beat that guy or I can, I could do better than these people did. And they want to prove it. They want to prove it to themselves. They want to prove it to me. And they want the public. It, it, they're just like me. We all have this hidden desire for people to know that we're smart. And so as we kept getting that request and kept getting that request, I thought to myself, well, I kind of I, I was scared to, because you never know. If you bring somebody on the show and they're not good, it could be a bad show. And it's critical for me to have good shows. So I figured out the, what I described earlier with the team setup, a way to make sure that even if somebody coming on had a bad day or, or just wasn't that entertaining, that at least we had a core group here that could make the show good regardless. And that opened us up to say, okay, we have a way for you to come on the show. If you're at the $10 a month tier, then I'll guarantee you, you come on the show at least once a year. And I put a bigger tier out there for two times a year, and I put a bigger one up there for more, right? And Dave, we've had so many people sign up that I was doing the math and I was keeping track of everything, and I realized I'm not going to be able to make good on my, on my promise. I was going to
0: say, you got to do some math on that one. <laughs> exactly. I'm,
1: I've, I've gotten to the point where with the people who I need to bring on twice and the people I need to bring on once, then I don't have enough weeks and so now I obviously have the ability to bring on more than one person at a time, but still this is not working out mathematically. Uh, and so it was only a few months ago that I had to bump it up and say, okay guys, um, I'm going to honor this through this year, but moving forward, uh, people who sign up at this level are going to be guaranteed the once a year spot. And that was a $15 level now and the $10 people they're going to be the people, they, they have a chance to get on, but it's not a guaranteed shot, but they will be the first uh, people that I reach out to when I'm having a problem booking a guest. Uh, and so more and more people are signing up at the $25 tier, which gets them on twice a year because you know it's hard for me to say why they do it. I treat everybody in my audience like kings. I try to make our space for them the best space that it could be for them. But God is my witness. I can't explain why they're supporting us the way they are. I'm just really happy that they are.
0: Well, go back to the woman trying to fall asleep. You're entertaining. You're, or, or to use Glenn the Geek's phrase, you're not boring. You know, So that's the good news. And so when you produce something that makes people go, oh man, I got to tell my friend about this podcast, that's a value. I mean, you, you said it best, you, you think you have a good show, but you can't, you can't practice podcasting. I mean, you can record episodes, but until somebody else hears it and goes, oh, wow, this is good. That's when all the hard work and the planning and the strategy, that's when you go, okay, this is working. And that's when you, you know, pat yourself on the back and go, all right, full steam ahead. So that's very cool. You know, there is one other piece there
1: that does occur to me that I didn't mention. And that's that I've developed real friendships with a lot of these folks at this point. So we have a really, really good uh, community in a Facebook group. And I was scared to start it. And literally, it ended up being the best thing I ever did, both for the show, but both for me too, because it allowed me to engage with these people in in a really close way. I was looking today just at friends I have now that I've met through the show, and I was noticing a theme that was just the best feeling ever, And that was that um, when I look at people's Facebook feeds, I can see them interacting with each other on their own personal stuff that's Mm. not related to the show anymore. There are hundreds of people that now have this wide network of friends who like the same thing that they do and the same kinds of stuff that they do. And they are now expanding outside of the show and it's part of their life now. And that, now that part... I, when I realize that and I think about that, that literally gives me chills mm-hmm. because that's powerful. The other thing that I should have brought up and I want to bring up is that we didn't just jump right in and do Patreon. That came around more than a year after we had been going and I had already, in fact, I had already done a t-shirt sale before that and had a lot of people sign up to buy t-shirts and I bring that up because it was at the point, the reason I opened the Patreon was that we had started to get this pressure feeling, this this pressure uh, boiler feeling where you could tell that people wanted to do something with us and contribute and support. And it was only after we had been delivering and delivering and delivering and delivering for months and months and months that this had built up. I don't think that would have been the same. And I want to be clear about this for anybody who's listening who just started or has only been doing it for a little while. That's not how it would have been if I had started that six months in. In fact, my Patreon would have fallen flat if I had started it six months in.
0: What's a, what's a typical conversation in your Facebook group about? So
1: there's two or three standards. Actually, let's, I'll say there's two standards. The first is questions. We have, we have a couple of rules and the rules are simple. Be nice to each other. Don't cheat. Uh, I can't even remember what the third one is, right? Oh, don't spam. And we have such awesome people that every day somebody's writing a list of 10 questions or sharing something that they saw. Uh, And so then Sometimes everybody answers on their own. Sometimes it's really hard. And so you start working together. So these these are things that are just, they're like little mini trivia games that everybody who's a part of the group enjoys doing. And so we all just kind of have fun doing that. Uh, the other kind of conversation though that happens there is, is me basically introducing something about the show or asking questions about the show. Uh, and so I'll ask people for feedback on different things, I'll. I did an announcement the other day, letting them know we were going to change some music, and this is why, and this is what we're doing instead. Uh, and so those, interestingly, those have sparked more conversation lately than the games do, uh, because people like having a voice in the show when they know I'm about to make a decision, and I haven't made that decision yet, and I'm I'm reaching out and asking what they think that That really brings a lot of people up front and they they share they they share more than I expect <laughs> in
0: terms of what they think. Have you changed anything on the show based on user feedback?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, okay. I have a really good friend now um who's a former Jeopardy player who's been on the show, and she was telling me how for women playing trivia, there's always this weird vibe about there being more masculine-focused questions. Mm. And I, I was like, I don't really get it. So this question about um, sports, okay, I can see that being a masculine question. But if it's a history question or a science question, those, those feel like neutrals to me. And so she was talking to me and specifically saying, well, Jonathan – These there's a lot of old school stereotypes and a lot of old school stuff that kind of pushes it in the direction of being more masculine. And so I was having a hard time buying it, but she gave me some really good examples and helped me to realize if we were to actively try and bring in more questions that were specifically either a question that included a female or a question whose answer was a female, that it would make the show more attractive for females, because they would kind of they have this subconscious feeling of this is a space where I'm respected or this is a place where i I uh, have something that's for me, and so we've done that, and i the, the, I've done the same thing not just from a gender perspective but from race perspective and from an ethnic perspective. The longer we go, the broader we get, and I honestly what we've done in those directions has really benefited the show. It's much broader now and much more
0: educational for all of us. And I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Good on you. Cause I think so many people start a podcast and they have their plan and they worked hard on it and doggone it. This is the way I'm going to do it. Uh, We had
1: probably our most responded to posts uh, ever. It was a poll and I asked the group, I've been listening to a lot of different shows, yours included, by the way, uh, specifically the show with uh, Joe, Saul, say, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: say hi. Um, And you guys were talking about the intro and the beginning and getting right to the point. And it's I've heard that feedback 50 times, but for some reason I was receptive to it when I heard it, when I heard you guys talking to it, talking about it. And so I asked the group, I said, guys, so at the beginning of every show, we introduce who's on the show that week and then we typically bring out a topic of whatever's going on that day or that week and we've tried to create a bit of conversation before we get into our warm-up segment uh and we did this intentionally up front because we felt that those conversations would help you to know us better to get to know us better outside of just answering the questions and and talking during the show and so we wanted to do that but now that we're established. I wonder if this is something that we should shrink or possibly move or leave the same. What do you think? And so I gave them those three options and we had 200 plus responses uh, up to the poll itself. So I don't know if you've ever seen this. I hadn't. If you get over 100 responses on a single answer, it gives you the Mobius loop. It gives you an infinity symbol instead of 100, <laughs> <laughs> which sucks, actually, because right. I had to go and count manually. It was 140-something <laughs> votes for keep it the same, and it was 40-something votes for take it out mm. or shrink it, and there was 10 or so that said move it. And then the comments, we had 100 and some odd comments on the thread, and they were mostly one of two types. There was the people who wanted us to change it and they were talking about why. And there were other people who were defending it and saying why we should keep it. But the people who want to change it, even though there is far less of them are much more vocal about it. Mm. And what came out in that thread beyond that piece, and this is the, this is the reason I'm telling the story people started to reveal things like, I actually skipped this part of the show. Ah. Every week, not this part, but over here, this part, I skip here. And sometimes I just skip from question to question. Sometimes I, and all of a sudden people started revealing this stuff. And inside, that's not the question that I had asked. It wasn't what I was ready for. And it started to hurt. (laughs) I was getting feedback from people that were telling me, yeah, I don't really like this part of the show, so I just skip it. And it was like, oh my God, are you serious? How many people do that? And all of a sudden people start saying, yeah, well, this part or that part. And I'm sitting here just my jaws on the floor because I had no idea that anybody skipped anything like that. I figured people might cut off at the end after the game was over, but when we would read some reviews or talk about the Patreon stuff, but I had no idea that people would skip Like the the banter where we're trying to figure out the answers or whatnot, because a lot of the feedback that we get, the best feedback that we get points out how that's what sets us apart and that's what makes us good. That's what people like. But for some people, it's not. And that was a wake up call for me. And so as I read the feedback and as I think about it, it took me a few minutes and I say minutes, it took me maybe an hour or so to calm down and just kind of back up. And and (laughs) I didn't respond respond to anybody as I'm reading all of that. I just wanted to soak it in and, and try and think to myself, what do I do about this? Because if they're saying it as much as I don't want it to be true, that's their reality. Right. And. I look at the numbers and it's clear most people like it the way it is, leave it the same. But obviously, if one fifth of the people who voted said change it, then I have room for improvement there. And so I kind of calmed myself down and reminded myself that these people are the best people in the world to tell me about myself. Right. But they actually listen to the show. They are the the extra level fans. They're the folks who are part of the group. So their opinion's important to me. Uh, And I started jotting down notes and thinking, okay, I could shrink this, or I should maybe tighten this up. And I don't want to change it. I don't want to. I don't want to make it different, but I think I can make it better. And that feedback, even though it kind of hurt a little bit, is going to help me do that. And so it's a really hard process, my man. But but I think it's healthy for us.
0: What other things have I know? uh, You mentioned on Harry's show that you got to go to North Carolina. Uh, any other fun stories? Another event similar to that
1: happened just recently. It was March of this year, and it's called geek Bowl and One of my previous guests, who was a Jeopardy champion, his name's Ricky Young, had posted it on his page and said, "This would be cool and i I saw it, and I immediately commented on it and said, "Hey, Ricky, I'd love to do this. Do you want to see if we can get a team together and Before long, we had six people, four of which were former Jeopardy players one of which was a million second quiz contestant and little old me. (laughs) And I was one of the court or the, the factors that had helped to pull people together, which was really fun that being doing what we're doing with the show has connected me to so many different people in a great way. But we had a great team. This was a super challenging competition it was surreal. So I met another listener there who is a longtime donator and has become a friend. His name's Russ. He invited us to an after party. And so we went to this after party. It was like nerd heaven, dude. <laughs> there, were, there were games being played in every room, trivia games there. And I'm not kidding. I ended up playing a trivia game that was being hosted by um, Colby Burnett, who was two years ago, Tournament of Champions winner on Jeopardy. I ended up playing a game of code names with Brad, who I mentioned earlier, the all-time money winner okay. for Jeopardy. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in a room with maybe 10 other people playing a game of code names. Uh, and it's just this, the oddest thing that there are a hundred people in this house 50, 50, 60, 70, however many it is, but everybody is connected in this trivia community, and lo and behold. I built relationships and now some of these people have reached out and they want to come on the show. And yes. that's amazing. You know it was it was funny uh one of the pre-parties I decided to be an extrovert and so we walked into a pre-party and the first thing I did was just walk up to a table of people who were talking and introduce myself and say hello. You know I was, I'm not an extrovert but I can pretend. And so I did that and the first thing I heard was wait are you, are you Jonathan, Jonathan Oaks from Trivial Warfare? (laughs) You could have knocked me over with a feather. Literally, he's like, this is guys, this is the guy that does the show. (laughs) It's like, I randomly walk up to a table of strangers at a pre-party for a trivia game. And there are people who are listening to my show.
0: That doesn't suck.
1: No, man, that (laughs) makes you feel like a freaking star. I'll be honest. It makes you feel amazing. So that's that's the kind of thing that has really come out of, of this show. It's, it's not a singular because of my podcast story, but it's more of a macro level Yeah, because of my podcast.
0: I got to uh, go to nerd
1: heaven. Well, (laughs) right. uh, Here's an example. I'm going to, I actually, I'm traveling to your neck of the woods. Uh, I believe end of June, I'm going to be up in Ohio for business. And I told my group, I said, guys, I think I'm going to be in Ohio. I'm going to tell you the dates when I have them. Uh, If you guys want to get together, let's get together and we'll do some trivia games, right? Or we'll go to a bar or wherever. And 20 20 plus people are like, let me know when, let me know when, tell me where you're going to be. And so I guarantee it, maybe it's going to end up being five or 10 or however many at the different places. But I feel like anywhere I go right now, if I tell people with enough time, I'm going to be here on these dates. I have people to meet. I have friends all over the country now. And that's this incredible feeling, this incredible experience that you don't expect coming in as a podcaster for the first time. And you shouldn't because there's no way that should happen. And yet it does. And it's just this amazing, amazing thing.
0: So, you're obviously getting paid in friends. you're getting paid with Patreon. Uh, I think you mentioned that you were working with some sponsors.
1: Yes, uh, so you know it's funny. I've heard a lot of in fact, on message boards, I see debates where people get upset when they hear that people who do Patreon have sponsors too. I've never really understood that in the sense that you're a business as a podcaster you're you're pretty much a business and as long as you're upfront with your people, it is what it is. So I've absolutely, I work with Jessica to try and get advertising. I have, I still have a good relationship with blog talk radio, even though I'm not hosting with them anymore. I've, uh, I've had an average of one ad a month for the last four months or so, but they have not been the ads where it's like, okay, you get paid based on how many people you deliver. It has been a CPM style ad where okay, you're going to get this much, and uh, we we did we did um, HelloFresh for three months from January to March, and recently they asked to re up with us for four more months uh, nice. later, and it's I loved HelloFresh. It was a great it was a great product when I tried it, and so I I was happily advertising it, and so the opportunity to keep working with them, I, I love that. Uh, so. As long as it's a company that I'm cool with, that I can support and not feel weird about, then I have, I, I do my best to get as many uh, advertisers and sponsors as I can.
0: Well, I'm, I'm noticing a, a a reoccurring theme here, uh, and I think it has a lot to do with your success. You're brutally honest. Like you just said, I, I as long as I'm cool with the advertiser, because so, I don't want to tell my people to do something that I wouldn't eat. You're, you're brutally honest in the Facebook group. You're brutally honest with your co-hosts. Um, you're brutally honest when you set up your, your Patreon page. And I think that's the reward is, is people. I I, I don't know about you, man, but in, in a day where everybody's lying on TV about whatever, and, and, you know, the, the so-called reality TV, that's not really reality. I think it's a, a refreshing breeze to have somebody come in and actually be honest. So I think that's, has a lot to people, connecting with you
1: that's a that's a huge compliment and i thank you for saying that but i learned a long time ago i actually learned from my father when it came to being honest that sometimes doing the harder thing now is going to make things a lot easier in the future and so that's something that i took to heart a long time ago
0: Well, Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show. You can find his show again over at TrivialWarfare.com. You can find him on Twitter, TrivialWarfare.com, and all the usual iTunes and Stitcher and all those other fun-filled places. Easiest thing to do, just go to TrivialWarfare.com. While you're over there, you can uh, become part of the Trivial Warfare Army and support him on Patreon. Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Absolutely.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. This This was a great experience, and I really was excited about the chance to talk to you.
0: There you go. There's a guy that is taking his passion uh, growing up in Ohio. We had a thing called academic challenge where they would have high school teams kind of do like a Jeopardy kind of thing. And uh, Jonathan went, was actually on that. It wasn't called academic challenge, but you get the idea. He, this is a guy that just loves trivia and is really good at it. And he's finding a way now to, A, connect with people who also love this stuff and then say, oh, you know what? We might be able to do something here to turn this into somewhat of a business. And I think the thing that impresses me the most about Jonathan is he's just doing it the right way. The way you're kind of, I know you're not supposed to should people and things like that, but he's kind of doing it the way you're supposed to. And with that, it's time to play it. And now it's time for a... If you're a regular listener to the show, you know, I recommend that you go where your audience is, make friends and bring value and then point them back to your podcast. And one of the sites I occasionally visit is Quora. It's Q U O R A. And I'm going to read this question the way the person wrote it. It's a little wonky. They say, I'm thinking about launching a podcast. I don't want any paid sponsors. I want to use it to boost it in the rankings. I have a company and I want potential customers to find and listen to the podcast. So they want people to listen to the podcast and probably hire this person for their services. But to get to the top of the rankings, they want to buy downloads. They want to buy their way to the top. And I have a question for you here in the U S there's a show called the voice. They're getting ready to do the, the grand finale. Who's going to win the voice for 2017 to which I go, anybody remember the name of the person from 2016? Or 15, 14, anybody? Exactly. When And it's not that these people don't have talent. Exposure is not all you need. You need talent. You need to connect with your audience. I watched a documentary on the Beatles, and they talked about how when they went to Hamburg, Germany, before they made it in the U.S., they went over and played in a really crappy neighborhood in a not-so-great bar, and they would play, are you ready for this? Eight hours a day. Like they would go in and do, I think, I mean, I think my fingers would fall off. And they said what they learned was how to captivate an audience and keep them listening. They also obviously honed their musical chops. Any, You do anything for eight hours a day, you're going to get better at it. So this was my response to whoever sent this. And I said, I want to be an Olympic gold medalist. Does anyone know where I can buy a gold medal? I mean, think about that. Even if I could buy a medal, it doesn't make me an athlete. And so, a little tough love for those looking to just get right to the front of the line. Number one, there are no shortcuts. There is no golden ticket. there is no magic beans. So quit wasting your time looking for these things and go out and make good content. Quit obsessing, as in like checking every hour your stats, and start obsessing over value in your content. Start obsessing over your audience. The TV. Uh, I'm sorry, the podcast Lore is going to be turned into a TV show, I believe on Amazon. And let me play you a clip from Podcasting 101, where the uh, the guy from Lore had some advice on how he grew his audience. I've never built an audience, all right? I, I haven't done anything to build an audience. And that's the secret that nobody wants to hear. It's It, it sounds elitist and, and kind of cranky, but... There is no trick in the book that you can use to grow your audience other than make a really good show and then promote it. Step one, put value. Step number two, promote it. So I put in this uh, response, if you're getting into podcasting to make a quick buck, let me point you to the door. Monetizing your podcast means you monetize your audience. Step one is build an audience. And that takes time. It takes effort. It takes talent and probably a little luck. The first question isn't how do I make money? The first question is how do I get good? How do I hold an audience? How do I get them to come back? If you were to raise your rankings, and for the record, again, rankings in iTunes really doesn't mean a whole lot, it doesn't mean what it used to. And for more information on that, go to new and noteworthy.info. That's new and noteworthy.info. Promoting a show that isn't good will only let the world know quicker that you need to go back to the drawing board. There have been tons of movies that have huge marketing budgets with the happy meal toys ready to go, except everyone who came out of the theater told their friends not to go see the movie. So getting a word out there about a podcast that's really not ready for prime time is going to be a waste of buying downloads. And this is where I say, you know, go to Google forms get a Facebook group, find out what your audience wants to hear, and then give that to them. But here's the thing, people like that, it really makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up because I want to make sure they don't start a podcast. Those, in my opinion, and that's all this is, hence a power rant, those are the people that are ruining podcasting. Not that making money is bad, not that wanting to grow your audience is bad, but trying to do it in ways that aren't exactly on the up and up and aren't exactly honest. So if you want to make good content, I've got worksheets. I've got tutorials that will steer you in the right direction. You have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start and then use the coupon code listener, sign up. We have 15 different courses that will walk you through every step of launching a podcast and then growing it. And if on day 29 you're like, Dave, I don't think this is for me. By all means, let me know. I'll refund your money, no questions asked, and you can go on your way. Again, our website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. And if you got a couple extra minutes, I'm going to bid you adieu right now, but I'm going to let you know there's something on the other end of the music here that I just want to get off my chest. So thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Hey, thanks for sticking around. This is going to be real quick. Uh, This month has been kind of weird. A friend, uh, he was an acquaintance of mine. He was a good friend of my sister, found out that he had cancer. And literally within a month, he was gone. Like straight up, hey, guess what? I'm going to die. And then he did. And then this week, a guy, I I love the album. I was not a huge Soundgarden fan, but the album Audio Slay from 2002, man, did that album get me through a lot of just tough times. The guy's name was Chris Cornell. And what I loved about Chris Cornell is I remember I was watching the TV show, I think it was on HBO, called Vinyl. And this is a guy that's used to just screaming like a banshee. And he has a very unique voice. And in the background, I hear the song Ave Maria. And I'm not even Catholic, so I'm not really that whatever, you know, that doesn't do anything for me. But I'm like, that sounds like Chris Cornell. What is Chris Cornell doing singing Ave Maria? And sure enough, the reason it sounded like Chris Cornell singing Ave Maria is because it was Chris Cornell singing Ave Maria. And that's what makes me so sad is he was such an original guy. Nobody else sounded like him. And he truly was an artist. We might come back to visit Chris Cornell because the more I read it in the Soundgarden, wow, there are a lot of really cool lessons there we can learn. But the thing that got me was the guy was here and now he's not. And so if you are upset with a family, friend, co-worker, somebody that you kind of go, maybe someday we'll get back together. We need to reconnect. We didn't really end on the right terms or whatever. I'm just saying life is short because the one thing that really freaked me out about Chris Cornell is the guy died at age 52. I'm 52. And to think I could be gone tomorrow. Now, I, there's a lot of weird things going on about how he died. But it's just me right now saying, look, if things are not right between you and somebody else, I've learned in the last couple of weeks that life is precious, life is short, and don't wait till tomorrow to make it right. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for letting me rant here a little bit at the end. But just take the time. I think you'll find it worth it.